It's the MicroConf Podcast. I'm Rob Walling. This week, we have a MicroConf Tactics episode where we dive deep into the audio of one of our recent YouTube videos called We Got Hacked, Here's What I Learned. I talk about how when we were building Drip, we had essentially Russian spammers slash phishing attackers who on a Sunday night started using Drip to send bad emails. It was a super stressful time. And it's an enlightening story to tell now, but I'll admit it was uh, it was pretty rough when it happened. So hopefully you can learn from this video because I don't just tell the story, but I also talk about the lessons we learned and the lessons you can put in place the next time you face your own startup crisis. Because it's not a matter of if, but when you have a crisis on your entrepreneurial journey. And if you want to check out the full video, Go to youtube.com slash microconf or just click the link in the show notes and you can see my smiling face along with the really nice visuals that our editors add. And one more thing, we've recently reopened the doors for our online community, Microconf Connect. Microconf Connect is our virtual hallway track. It's a vibrant community of SaaS founders helping each other and discussing wins, challenges, and frankly, how to grow faster. A couple months ago, we paused new signups to improve the platform based on your requests. With MicroConf Connect 2.0, we're rolling out three membership tiers packed with new perks like weekly co-working, exclusive discounts, a searchable content library, and more. Whether you've been a member of Connect or not, you really should check it out. MicroConfConnect.com. Even though it was almost a decade ago, I remember it like it was yesterday. I got a text from my co-founder on a Monday morning who said overnight, Sunday, basically Sunday night into Monday, we had dozens of accounts created from Russian IP addresses. These hacker spammers were sending phishing emails to unsuspecting PayPal users trying to get their login credentials, and they were sending it through our software. It's that moment in a business where you know you've arrived because you're notable enough that someone did try to send spam through your application, but it was devastating. and. Our IPs were blacklisted. And for those who don't know, if you're not familiar with email sending, it basically means that our emails sent from our platform, even from our reputable customers, were going into spam folders. And as an email marketing tool, your one job is to get emails into people's inboxes. It was a very difficult experience. I remember panicking and thinking, this is it. Like, I don't think our business is going to survive this. And in today's video, I'm going to talk about how it all played out and what I learned. I'm Rob Walling, a serial entrepreneur with multiple exits. I've written four books on entrepreneurship, and I've invested in almost 150 companies. So I arrived at our tiny little office, which was basically a 20 by 20 room in a co-working space. And there were four of us that worked out of this office. The It was the second drip office. And I was just panic stricken. And the interesting part is it was so early in Drip's history that we literally didn't have a way to just shut down an account. So someone could sign up for a Drip account and if the trial expired, we disabled it. But if they were a paying user and their credit card was good, there was no way for us to disable accounts. We just hadn't built it yet. You know, early on in a product, oftentimes you don't even have billing set up until you need to bill someone. So you can have users and be like, well, 30 days from now, I'm going to need to bill folks. Or you don't have delete buttons in the app. We didn't have a way to delete campaigns and delete draft emails that you hadn't used because we just didn't need them yet. And so there we were with several accounts that we identified as sending these PayPal phishing emails. And we could look at the email and it looked just like a PayPal email. It honestly made me really sick. It made me feel like I had done something wrong, you know, that we hadn't been responsible. And I feel like you could argue it either way. I mean, we were a bootstrap startup that was still losing a bit of money each month. I was paying 
coming out of pocket to keep us all fed and paid. And we were building exactly what our customers needed to get the job done. And that was the priority. And so the first thing we did was my developer, who later became my co-founder, Derek Reimer, he jumped into the code and he pulled their account IDs and manually put them in the code. If account ID equals this, don't let them log in. Don't send any emails. It's the hackiest thing you could ever do. If you're a developer listening to this, you know how hacky this was. And we pushed it to production because we needed to stem the bleeding. The spammers who had set up these accounts, they knew that we were in the US and that at midnight, one in the morning on a Sunday night, or I guess a Monday morning, if you think about it, none of us were gonna be awake. And that's what they did. They sent it from 2 a.m. until until we woke up and stopped the sending. And so they knew what they were doing and it's obvious they had done this before and they were trying to steal people's credentials. So once we got the accounts blocked, the emails stopped sending, then we had to think about what do we do about our blacklisted IP addresses? Because if they stayed blacklisted, then our customer emails were not gonna be able to be delivered. And again, you have one job as an email marketing tool and it's to get your emails into folks' inboxes. And so that's what we set about doing. We started contacting the blacklist and let them know what happened. We said, Russian hackers, we're sending spam, it's been remedied, and how long do we need in order to you know, in essence, be taken off your blacklist. And it turns out some of them had automated means of doing this, where if there was not a spam or a phishing report within X amount of hours, you automatically fell off. This was really our first foray into this. I mean, this became a full-time job. We had a single individual devoted to just monitoring blacklists at a certain point in Drip's history, right? As we were sending 100 million emails a month, you can imagine this is a huge job dealing with all the providers. But in these early days when we had hundreds of customers, the first time we had spammers, we had to think about this from square one. So as I was working on getting our IPs off the blacklist, Derek set about to write some code to figure out how could we have anticipated this, right? And he and I got in front of a whiteboard and we looked at the signs. What signs could have triggered an approval process, right? Where a new account can't just start sending emails willy-nilly, but if they have a credit card that's prepaid, if they have a credit card from certain geographies, if they exhibit high-risk behaviors, and we defined those on this whiteboard, how can we have a process that either allows them only to send a few emails or maybe not at all until one of us manually approved them. Competition for great talent is more challenging than ever. Almost every startup I know struggles to hire fast enough to keep up with demand. In order to hire faster, you need a trusted source of pre-vetted candidates. Lemon.io is that source. They have an extensive network of engineers from Europe and Latin America, and every candidate has been tested and interviewed by their team. You're probably wondering, how is this different from hiring on your own? Number one, you can have an engineer who can start working within a week instead of months. Number two, you don't waste your time on unqualified candidates. Number three, you'll have easy access to global talent without going through dozens of job boards. And number four, it's more affordable than hiring local talent. So if you need to expand your engineering team or delegate some of your engineering work, use lemon.io. We have a special discount for fans of MicroConf. Visit lemon.io slash microconf to receive a 15% discount for the first four weeks of working with a developer. That's lemon.io slash microconf. In the end, even though I thought it was business ending, it was not. And in fact, we dealt with spammers for the rest of the time that I worked at Drip and it became an ongoing battle. It's just a cost of doing business. Unfortunately, it's just something you have to deal with when you send email from your app. And one thing I started to realize at that point is there were gonna be a lot of these speed bumps along the way. Cause as an entrepreneur, you're making hard decisions with incomplete information and you kind of have a new crisis that crops up every day or every week. And I started to think I can't let 
these make me think the business is going to end every time. Because if you get in that headspace as an entrepreneur, it can really drive you crazy and it can make your time as an entrepreneur not enjoyable. Over the next year or two, we grew the business to multiple seven figures in revenue. We sold it for many millions of dollars and it all turned out good. And it all could have been killed that one day if we hadn't reacted. So now I want to talk about five lessons that I learned on that day back almost a decade ago. The first lesson is to not panic. Bad things are going to happen. You're going to feel like you want to panic and you can panic for a minute or two. And then you need to take a deep breath and you need to get to work because panicking is where your heart races, your hair stands up, and you're not very capable of troubleshooting and actually fixing things when you're in that state of panic. So I guess by don't panic, I mean panic a little bit and then get over it and get to work. The second lesson I learned was if you're the founder or the executive, you need to lead. And that was part of where I came in and we all kind of knew what to do, but I had to take charge and say, hey, so this is what's happening. Here's what's muddled in my mind. I think we have three or four priorities right now. We have the blacklist. We need to stop the emails. How do we keep people from doing this in the future? How do we even triage this? Do we need to talk to our customers about this? You know, have we been hacked? Is it just spammers? Like it's all this stuff. And so we divided and conquered. And I said, can you research this? Can you write the code such that we're not sending these emails anymore. And just one at a time, we hammered through it. But it took someone like myself to kind of coordinate it and say, this is the plan of action. Let's attack it. The third thing I learned is something I touched on earlier. It's that very, very few emergencies are business ending. Things are rarely as bad as they first appear. And if you can stay calm and meet with a few smart people on your team and figure out what the steps are to remedy the situation, you're going to get so much more done and have a better end result. The fourth question that I would ask myself after something like this happens is how can I keep this from ever happening again? Some founders are process people and they think about how to turn everything into a process and that can be good. You can also take it too far and have too many processes too early. And you see this with folks who work at Fortune 500 companies who then come and try to work at a startup and they want to process for everything, but it slows you down too much. On the flip side, some founders fly by the seat of their pants all the time, every time with no process and you can move really quickly make a lot of decisions, but then you start doing things over and over that really should be in a process and hand it off to someone else. So there's a balance with a crisis like this, where everything really hits the fan. You always have to have that postmortem of, okay, this happened and we fixed it, or it's being remedied right now. What are our next steps over the next days or weeks to make sure this doesn't happen again? And whether that's writing code, having a policy in place, whatever it is, this event for us was the start of a policy of having having some trust for new signups, but really kind of being wary of letting people send too many emails when they hadn't built up their trust score in Drip. And the fifth thing that I took away is that people who run blacklists and vendors, see, we were sending emails through email APIs. You can think of like SendGrid or Mandrel or Mailgun. And it was their IPs that were being blacklisted. So we had to contact vendors and even some customers were reporting, oh, I'm monitoring your IPs and I see they're on blacklist. We communicated with all of these folks and they were willing to work with us because we said, look, this happened. We are working on it. We're going to have it remedied as soon as we can. And what we found is that some people were unreasonable, but most people were willing to work with us and they trusted that we were doing the best job that we could to get this fixed. 
If you like this video and other videos on the channel and you want to hear more content from me talking about bootstrapping and mostly bootstrapping software startups, head to startupsfortherestofus.com or just search Startups for the Rest of Us in any podcast player. I've been doing that show for more than 650 episodes. It's come out every week for 13 years and I dig into building and launching and growing and all the things that you need to be successful as a SaaS entrepreneur. As I mentioned at the top, all of this happened while I was building my last SaaS app, Drip, which was an email marketing tool. If you wanna hear more about how I built that business over several years, check out this video to see the steps I took to grow it and eventually sell it for millions. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time.